0: When you sign up for BP Me Rewards, you can get 5 cents off every gallon of gas every time at BP or Amico stations. That means more savings and more whatever you'd like to use your savings on. So treat yourself. It's on us. Visit bp.com slash save to learn more. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry. I can't operate on that vehicle. But, doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's... My son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon trained to save the lives of large, injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. The day after leaving Copper County, I took the obligatory cruise of the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. It might be the one thing up here that people from outside the UP are likely to have heard of. And these open cliff faces, roughly 200 feet high, are truly spectacular, but they are especially pictured in more ways than one. First, they have mineral stains covering their face due to the huge amount of metal in the ground up here. There's red and orange from iron, blue and green, from copper, brown and black, from manganese, white, from limonite, and other colors. Besides, the other way in which these rocks are especially pictured, is by being some of the most photographed rocks, in this part of the country, with millions of gorgeous, high resolution images, available online. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, no, I don't have any pictures, of my own to share. That is the real, genuine reason, why I have no pictures from the boat. I promise it wasn't because I spent the entire cruise with my face, the collar of split pea soup, looking at the chipped paint on the steel deck beneath my chair, trying not to barf. And I promise one of the deckhands didn't bring me a free pop out of pity and check on me like a dozen times. None of that ever happened. The photo thing was simply a curatorial decision. I made a judgment call based on the enormous photos you've seen already, as well as the billions of professional images of these rocks on Google. It had nothing whatsoever to do with my sudden, unwavering commitment to filling little white baggies with more broiled fish than I could ever have possibly eaten. The one picture I did take, after some deliberation, was of the last lighthouse on the southern tip of the Grand Island. This is exactly the kind of dreamy northern coastscape you might come up here hoping to see. It's small and lonely, and austere, and the water this far north is a bright, clear, almost Caribbean blue. Random fact about this lighthouse, the last keeper ever stationed here raised 12 children in this little brown building on the edge of the channel. I just can't even imagine. Along with 1,786,543 other images of these rocks you can find online, There are also videos of portions of the cliff face calving like a melting glacier. It's rare, but in this day and age, it's inevitably been captured a number of times. In my favorite of these, you can hear a man in a pontoon having a full-on panic attack when the wake starts to reach the boat. Don't worry, he's fine. Because of the two-hour cruise and a brief lie-down in the back of my truck, I missed the Great Lake Shipwreck Museum that evening by 10 minutes. All I have of my visit is two rather uninspired photos of the outside that we'll just have to do. As far as the experience itself goes, I have it on good authority from John S. on TripAdvisor that the museum boasts, quote, very well-maintained grounds, very helpful staff, end quote, and from Steve K, quote, the museum is cool but small, end quote. There have been roughly 10,000 shipwrecks on the Great Lakes, including the legendary Edmund Fitzgerald. You've probably heard the Gordon Lightfoot song. The bell from this freighter, raised from the shipwreck in 1995 from a depth of 530 feet, is currently on display in this museum. I'll have to see it next time. Unable to see it this time, I drove ahead to nearby Paradise, Michigan, where I was greeted by a scrolling sign on the front of my motel, which read, Welcome to Paradise. No vacancy which it occurred to me in that moment was probably what osama bin laden heard shortly after a navy seal installed a copper county ventilation shaft in the middle of his forehead what also occurred to me in that moment was that i probably should have booked ahead the cheapest rooms within 40 miles were 289 dollars as far as i could tell completely booked out but after a day of rain temperature dropping 25 degrees, I was not going to camp. So, I checked one last place before leaving town for the nearest open room. I must have looked terrible, because the kind woman at the desk, Jamie, not only offered me the last open room in Paradise, but also gave it to me for a one-time deal of $39.99. By that point, nothing else in town was open, and after learning this the hard way, I returned to the motel and asked Jamie if she knew where I could find a hot drink, even just a microwave for a cup of hot water. Nope. But after ten minutes later, she knocked on my door with a styrofoam cup and some tea bags, suggesting the water might get hot enough in my bathroom sink for tea. It didn't, but bless you, Jamie. I made a cup anyway. I left her cash in the room. As a thank you for everything. And just two days ago, I received a handwritten note in the mail. The following morning, I drove to Taquamanon Falls State Park. This is a native word that might mean Lost River Island, or a river with an island part way, and it looks literally unpronounceable. But, as I learned from a sign within the park, one easy way to get it right is to remember that it rhymes with phenomenon, as in Taquamanon. These falls are the most well-known in the Upper Peninsula, and they're split around a large island in the middle of the river. I thought it'd be a great idea to record the falls for this episode, as it turns out, they sound like snow on your TV set, from back when you might flip to a channel that you didn't get on an antenna. But that was the upper Tequamanon Falls. This is the lower. Sorry guys, they can't all be winners. Leaving the falls, I'd like to take a moment to say that you should never underrate the pleasure of meeting new people on a trip like this. Especially in places like this. Public parks scenic lookouts, and any kind of preserve. These are families who spend their free time and money and energy to come out into nature for no other reason than to appreciate it. These are often people who laugh easily, drink casually and happily, and spend minimal time on their hairdos. They often have trucks or vehicles they treat like trucks, and by their mere appearance in these remote parks, at the end of obscure, dusty, under-provisioned roads, you know they're willing to suffer and postpone gratification in exchange for something pretty and natural and pure. And if you have trouble making friends or are reluctant to visit alone, I can guarantee a three step method for connecting with strangers in places like this. Step one find something that interests you. Step two turn your face until you see another human face, a face which is not directed at a device and is roughly the same height as your own, and ask them about this thing that interests you. Step 3 Just kidding, there is no step 3. That was all of it. You would be amazed to discover how effective this is, so long as you're genuinely interested and willing to listen. You can ask about restaurants or wildlife, or the burial place of the nearest Native American chieftain. Your question just needs to be sincere, and you must be present like really, truly present. I've made hundreds and hundreds of friends in this way, most of whom, after parting, that shared field of discovery I've never seen again, and on which trivial, entirely accidental count, I cherish them nonetheless. I made four more such blood brothers in the parking lot of the Taquimanon Falls, a day after first crossing paths on a lookout over top the Miner's Castle in the Pictured Rocks. I'll never forget you, Madison, The two Daryls, or you either, man who was a former government employee in the state of Wisconsin, gently polishing his Harley with a yellow cloth and skipping town because his friends all had the Delta variant. Good luck and Godspeed. At the beginning of the series, I said the Upper Peninsula was projected by Science Digest to be the best place to live in America in the year 2100. It's true. And the town they singled out above all others, in their analysis, was the small border city of salt Sté marie You can watch their official video on our social media. It's about a minute long, and I apologize for the music. Hometown History is brought to you by Liquid IV. It's no secret that I love to travel, and every time that I do, I know a few things that are going to happen. I'm going to see a few new things, meet new people, and I'm going to get dehydrated. I don't know why that third thing happens, but when it does, my whole trip suffers. I start feeling tired and weak. My mind feels foggy, and as my wife can attest, my mood takes a turn for the worse, which is why, as of about two years ago, I no longer go anywhere without my liquid IV. I keep it in my glove compartment, and when we're on the road, I take one each morning. If we're hiking, climbing, running, caving or some other similar godforsaken thing, I'll have a second packet just to be safe. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone. Plus, it has five essential vitamins and comes in many different flavors. My favorite right now is strawberry, and I will never travel without it again. Grab Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code HOMETOWN at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code HOMETOWN at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Promo code HOMETOWN. When it comes to border towns, it doesn't get any more border than Salt-Saint-Marie. Half of it is in Canada. It's kind of like Kansas City, but instead of being in two separate states, it's in two separate countries. So, you need your passport to cross town. The city was founded in 1668, making it three years older than St. Ignace, the third oldest continuous settlement in the United States. The current border is a result of the limited but consequential War of 1812, which actually lasted three years, until 1815. In 1814, the White House and the Capitol Building in Washington were burned by the British, and naval battles raged through the Great Lakes. In post-war negotiations, a fixed border was established between the United States and Canada, and since that time, this city has been multinational. According to Science Digest, in the year 2100, Salt-Saint-Marie has it all. A more moderate climate, fresh water, geographical protection from things like hurricanes, disease-carrying mosquitoes, extreme heat, forest fires, tornadoes, and rising oceans. Places that do not have it all. Of the end of the century's punishing Earth Science Olympiad, the cultural and ecological thunderdomes of Miami, Los Angeles, Seattle, and New York City. But for now, Salt-Saint-Marie is a typical Rust Belt municipality, the third largest city in the UP with a population of 13,000 people. Think the city of Pittsburgh, but the size of a really large neighborhood. In place of all the rusting bridges zippered across the three rivers, picture one massive water bridge with four lanes connecting two of the largest freshwater lakes in the world. The Water Gateway of Sault Ste marie is the industrial choke point for all travel across the northern Great Lakes. Each year more than 10,000 ships and freighters pass through this bridge each year, typically filled with iron ore, copper, or lumber. This water bridge it's called the Locks, like Salt-Saint-Marie, but spelled S-O-O and locks, like the locks on your door. The problem with this connecting point in the Great Lakes water system was that Lake Superior, on the left, is much higher than Lake Huron, on the right. So, the space between them used to be a sudden 21-foot drop that no ship could sail through. So, they installed a kind of sealed waiting room between these lakes, where water levels could be adjusted to fit either side. Because these locks are so unique and difficult to explain, I asked Audrey, one of the guides at the visitor center, to help me demonstrate. I also filmed the center's official video on the subject, which is only 45 seconds long and apparently animated by the designers of the classical computer game Oregon Trail. As a boat approaches the locks from the upper end, the filling valve below the lock floor is opened and the chamber is at the Lake Superior level. When the gates open, the boat enters the chamber. The gate closes behind the boat. The filling valve is closed and the emptying valve at the lower end opens. Gravity alone causes the water to flow out, lowering the water in the chamber to the Lake Huron. level. Once the water that in the chamber and the lower river are the same, the gates open and the boat continues on its way. From an engineering perspective, the locks are really, really cool. From a spectator's perspective, they are really, really slow. Like watching a giant bathtub fill and empty out again. And due to so much public interest in the operation of this engineering marvel, the Corps has constructed a two-tier glass viewing platform for visitors. For all that South Saint-Marie may not have today, it has this one thing that literally no one else has. The sew locks are so important to the U.S. economy that they're operated, maintained, and guarded by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. To visit, you enter a tiny military compound. On a side note, Ernest Hemingway once called St. Mary's River this international border dividing Salt-Saint-Marie the best place in the world to fish for rainbow trout. Unfortunately, I was not able to stick around to find out. After the locks, I got back in my truck and drove south to revisit one of my favorite Uper towns, 350-year-old St. Ignace. Before I crossed back over the bridge, I made one last stop at my new favorite food truck, The Gateway City Garage. Just by looking at it, you would not think it was the best restaurant in the Upper Peninsula. I'm not saying that it is, but it's in the conversation. I've had the blueberry haystack burger, bread pudding, real french fries, and an ice-cold diet squirt, all of which I ate overlooking the Straits one last time. Eighty years from now, the things that make the Upper Peninsula unlikely destination may be the very things that make it an apocalyptic oasis. Yet all those potential advantages are still challenges today. It remains a love or hate it type of place. I'd encourage you, if you like lonely, out-of-the-way places, to go in person and see which it is for you. And all you early adopters out there, you venture capitalists, doomsday preppers, and NFT holders, why not fast forward your lives to the year 2100s? Let's get this land rush started. According to the scientists, it's going to happen anyway. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. It's a primal, wild freedom. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. (gasps) (laughs) (coughs) Hmm, no. You know, we really lost our stride at the end there. Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage.